Hello and welcome to the West Beach Challengers podcast for the first time ever. I am podcasting from my new house. It's probably sounding a little bit echoey because I don't really have any furniture or soft furnishings. So apologies if the audio is a little bit rubbish. I reckon everything's just going to get better from now on in though. So bear with me. Today's podcast is actually dedicated to those of you who are on the six week either reboot or the six week reset because it was really lovely getting some feedback. So we will be going into, oh my goodness, week six on Monday. And that is super exciting. And I'm really enjoying seeing the shifts. I love the feedback. I love the fact that you are spending the time in doing the real work. And I think it can be really tricky when you've only ever been on a lifestyle change with the main goal of living in a smaller body. And I do hope I'm helping to challenge the narrative that that is the only goal worth having when you go on this type of lifestyle change and really helping you to get quite curious, but it can feel uncomfortable. And there were some really good questions that came out of the check-ins that I have just sort of finished doing. Again, if you haven't checked in, I always like a late check-in. So you're never too late. Do just ping it over to me. Um, but one of the uh, one of the people checking in said that they just feel still quite stuck and um, in wanting to lose weight and wanting to live in a smaller body. So no matter how much better they feel, no, much, no matter how better nourished they're feeling, how much stronger, fitter, etc., etc., they still kind of come to this stumbling block of, yes, this is all great, but I do have this kind of internal pull desire to still seek out this smaller body. And if this is you, I really want you to listen to it. And I really want you to listen to that internal narrative. And I want you to just get really, really curious about it because it's not surprising after all of the years that you have lived on this planet that you are going to be continually pulled back into the vortex of trying to attain a smaller body because literally everywhere you look, anything you read, anything on your social um, media pages is probably going to be promoting this possibly unattainable body physique. And it is good to start unpacking it because I think when you start unpacking it and every time you come against it, you really do a little bit of work on what is driving this belief, you can start to kind of undo it and start to kind of have this bank of evidence around why living in a smaller body is not your main driver for continuing to embed these positive lifestyle changes. So the first prompt I would like you to have a think about. So if you have got a pen and paper, if I'm not in your ears whilst you're walking, if I am, then obviously when you get back, write it down. But I want you to write down what do you believe a smaller body will bring? So what about your life would be better if you were living in a smaller body? And actually just writing down the things that you think would occur if you lived in a smaller body can be really powerful. Because once you've written it down and you're looking at these things you think that will be attained by living in a smaller body, you can start to think about whether they're true. 
because I would imagine most of us have lived in different body compositions. And for many, many, many of us, even when we were living in our smallest body composition, I want you to have a think about how happy you were. Did you kind of reach that moment where you were like, oh, everything is perfect. Now I'm living this incredible body composition. Or actually, if you look back, were you not actually very happy even then? And this is so true for the majority of the women I work with. If they look back to their body when they were like 18 or 25 or 30, and it may be an entirely different body composition than the one they're living in now. But when they actually give it some thought, they still weren't happy. They were still trying to live in a smaller body. And so often it's because we haven't done any work around trying to become more body neutral, trying to think about everything that our body does for us, trying to really find some love for our body. Because without doing that really powerful bit of work, you will not find your body happy, no matter how small the body you're living in is. And I do just think the more and more I work with women, that it's just a distraction. And my concern for you guys, if you're not doing the deeper work, and if you're not trying to kind of unearth what this belief comes from, is that one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be 70 and you're going to look back at your body and you're going to think, oh my goodness, why did I waste so much of my one precious valuable life with this ultimate goal of just trying to pursue a smaller body? Because the issue is going to be if you are really, really struggling to jump into this um, smaller body, the likelihood is there's a bit of a conflict somewhere in your life. And although you may feel like you want to live in this smaller body, there's something happening um, in regards to your behaviors, your preferences, your lifestyle that isn't supporting you moving into this smaller body. And the likelihood is that there's some benefit and you do have a set of habits and behaviors and a lifestyle that supports your current body composition. And you have to get really, really honest and quite kind of brutal with yourself because all of us can lose body fat. That isn't the tricky thing. The tricky thing is finding that balance because although you might desire the smaller body, you might not really like the type of lifestyle that it entails. And I think when we're sometimes kind of dreaming or thinking about the body composition that we wish we were living in, we don't really give enough time to think about the types of behaviors the types of routines, the types of lifestyle that would support that body composition. So we kind of want the outcome, but we don't really, or maybe it's not even possible with the type of life we have and with the things that are most important to us in the world for us to kind of leap into that body composition. And I think social media is really, really um, terrible for kind of feeding us this kind of dream of the, the types of body compositions that you can live in if only you take a certain supplement or do a booty workout. And actually, when you step away from it, often the people's bodies that you're looking at and admiring, they have been filtered. It might be these people's job to live in that body composition. They might have chefs creating meals for them. They may not be holding down a full-time job and looking after children and enjoying an active social life. So, so often we're not really thinking about 
the reality of the type of body composition we're thinking that we want to live in. So I do want you to take a moment and I often ask you, do you really want to look after your dream body? Because if you do, that's fantastic. This is going to be easy and you're not going to find this um, incongruence because your actions will very naturally align with your goal. But for so many of us, it's not really our priority. And actually we have priorities maybe around work or family or connection. And all of these things might be more valuable to us than putting the pressure on ourselves of making every single decision around kind of living in this very optimized body composition that we feel will bring us happiness. But again, just back to that first point, the likelihood is it wouldn't bring the happiness you're looking for because you really can't avoid doing this bigger piece of work, which is around trying to find some body neutrality, trying to sit very comfortably or uncomfortably initially with the current body you live in, because this current body has done some brilliant things for you. And hopefully you have now worked through the emotional eating content on the members website. But if you haven't, it's a really, really good time to start to visit it and start to do the journaling prompts. And this is a piece of work you might have to do multiple times. It's an iterative process. If you have spent all of your adult life flipping and flopping onto one diet and then another diet, you are going to have a lot of internal stuck narratives to undo. But definitely starting to really embody, become embodied, start living inside your body that belongs to you today and letting go of previous bodies or identities that you have felt associated with. Because again, sometimes we just sort of cling on to maybe it's your pre-baby body or maybe it's your pre your career kicking off body and all of these bodies, they don't belong to you anymore. And we do have to say goodbye to them. And we have to kind of realize that our identities need to be much more like water and they need to be able to shift and change because your life is shifting and changing and it's going to continue to shift and change. And things that belong to us today may not belong to us tomorrow. And it really is this idea that we just have to be thinking much more in the moment about all the positive things that our bodies enable us to do. And definitely thinking more about performance, uh, the fact that your body can take you for an amazing walk, that your body enables you to be able to maybe hug your kids or bring in the shopping, all the phenomenal things that we just take for granted, rather than always thinking retrospectively, oh, but I used to be so much stronger, fitter, leaner, et cetera, et cetera. And definitely just starting to get much more interested and much more curious about your relationship with the body you're living in today. Because then what happens is you can start this journey of wanting to look after this body that you currently have better. Because the gateway for looking after yourself better really does need to come from love. Um, and if you haven't done the Deep Love Workshop, again, a little shout out to the member space, do have a look at the Deep Love Workshop because there's no point hating yourself into change or berating yourself because again, it's not gonna be a meaningful change. It's not gonna be lasting. So I really want you to take a little bit of time 
to kind of come to terms with where you are in your life at the moment with all of the other stresses. And then what we need to do is develop a set of self-loving behaviors to look after this body better because there's always a gray middle. I'm not saying that you can't improve your health, your fitness, your body composition, but it needs to come from a place of love. You really need to think about what is important to you at the moment in life. And there really isn't any point in adopting a set of behaviors that really don't suit your lifestyle that maybe you can only maintain for short periods of time. I want you to have a blueprint for looking after yourself that obviously will iterate and change and flow with time, but one that feels quite steady. I think people often want to look for intensity when really what they need is a little bit of consistency because we can all do intense things for short periods of time. We can probably all decide to cut out all carbohydrates for a few weeks or, you know, not touch alcohol or ban sugar and get phenomenal results very quickly if the phenomenal result you're looking for is just to lose some body fat. But the problem with all of these changes is they don't last. They often start to break down your relationship with food. Uh, they lead you further and further away from living inside your body. And definitely you feel like you're much more living outside of your body and just continually judging it. So again, I want to encourage you to start living inside your body and start noticing what it needs right now, what loving yourself even more deeply right now would look like and how that would feel and how that might transpire when you're thinking about putting in some more self-loving behaviors. Because I would say that the only type of change that is really going to be meaningful, that is going to be transformative, that is going to kind of shape a much healthier, stronger future for you is by doing this deeper bit of work. So that's just a little thought for you. So if you haven't got your journal out yet, do get your journal out. Do start writing down what your beliefs are, what your stuck narratives are. Start getting really curious about whether you want to look after your perceived dream body you know, the sacrifices you would have to make, the changes to your lifestyle, your work, your family, are they things that really do align with what's most important to you in the world? Because so often they're not, and actually we have values around things other than our aesthetic, and our aesthetic is not our main driver. And it might be that if you think back to points in your life where aesthetics maybe were your main driver, whether it was your wedding day or an event that you were going to, it might have been that you could make your actions align with your goal of getting to a certain moment in time. And that's one thing. But what I'm much, much, much more interested in is helping you find something that feels sustainable, that feels like it can run alongside real life rather than this kind of flipping and flopping all of the time. Because so often when we're doing kind of the fad diets or the dieting to get to a significant, a, a significant point maybe in your life or an event is that we do start to do a bit of damage to our body image because we're continually telling ourselves that we're not enough, that we need to change. We are breaking down our relationship with food. We are not listening to our hunger and our fullness cues. And it's quite avoidant, I would say. And if you are someone who is just continually trying to look for this quick fix, it might be that you want to avoid doing the real work because for some reason that feels uncomfortable. 
And I think we quite often can avoid doing the real work again by just continually wanting to diet and putting things off until we have performed some miraculous diet where suddenly we're going to shift a significant amount of weight and then life can start. So get really interested. Are there things you're even putting off until you have lost some weight or got a little bit fitter or whatever it is? What are you putting off? So I want you to remember those two words. I want you to remember to become really curious. I want you to be really compassionate because your beliefs will come from somewhere. They probably come from social media, like I said. Have a think about your parents. Um, think about the examples that you were shown when you were growing up. And again, if you are a parent, have a think about the value of doing the real work so you don't pass on your beliefs, your stuck narratives, the things that make you believe that your purpose on this planet is to live in the smallest possible version of yourself. Would you want that for your kids? Do you want your kids to, if you think about the pie chart of their life, how much of it do you want them to be dedicating to controlling their movement, their exercise, their nutrition? Do you want their pie chart to be as full of having to control those metrics as you currently feel your pie chart is filled with those things being sort of at the utmost of importance and the things that do really take over your thoughts? Or do you want them to have a life where they've got adventure and they have interests and they have connection? You know, do you want their lives to be fuller? Because I, again, do feel like it's a little bit of a feminist issue, but by us being continually trying to shrink ourselves, that we are made to kind of forget about the other things in life. And if you still would draw out your pie chart, and again, this exercise is in the emotional eating task, how much of it would you like to be dedicated to thinking about things like your movement, exercise, and nutrition? Like for me, it's always going to be important. I have a massive value around my health and future-proofing myself. But actually, once it's kind of automated and it doesn't really feel like it is um, in conflict with how you want to live your life, you will just find that it slots in quite easily. I don't want you eating breakfast and thinking about when can you eat next because you've restricted. I want you to be able to create amazing nourishing plates of food. I want you to be seeking movement because it's coming from a place of love. I want you to insert training into your week. But then I want this to be like an automated blueprint so you can start freeing up your pie chart so you have got all of your incredible, amazing creativity. All of your thoughts can go elsewhere. And this is my real aim for you. So definitely starting to accept where your body is now. Letting go of previous identities and body compositions that you might have been in is huge. And you might even have to write it out. Um, and then actually start to think about the habits and behaviors you had when you lived in these previous body compositions. Were they healthy? Do they align with what's most important to you in the world at the moment? Um, and yeah, just start to get really curious, but there's something very, very, very powerful about actually writing down your thoughts, your beliefs, and kind of where you want to take yourself on this journey and your reason for why. 
So that's probably answered one person's question. And um, there was another question about kind of it feeling a little bit selfish. So doing all of this work, still feeling a little bit selfish, but for so many reasons that I've already been talking about, I want you to realize that you affecting this meaningful change in your life is gonna have the most amazing ripple effect. So if you have a partner, if you have children, making time to nourish yourself better will mean that if you have kids or a partner, they will eventually also start nourishing themselves better. If your kids see you make time for movement, to kind of put movement at the top of your agenda, then they will be noticing that. Even if they don't join in, it will be part of their memory that you always were the type of parent that made time for themselves. And if you kind of fast forward and you think about the type of life you want your kids to have, I bet you want them to look after themselves. I bet you want them to prioritize movement. I bet you want them to nourish their bodies optimally. And it's really good if you are still being kind of pulled into kind of fad dieting world, or I don't know, taking some crazy supplement to think, would I want my kid to do this? If my kid suddenly came home and said, oh, I'm gonna ban all of the um, sugary foods from now on, I'm only gonna eat sweet potatoes and chicken. Is that the type of life you'd want for your kid? Or do you want them to be able to connect over food, enjoy all of the different flavors, travel around the world, having an amazing relationship with food and their body and to have freedom, to feel autonomous, to feel like there are no rules, but they really make most of their decisions based on wanting to love themselves as deeply as possible. And again, if that's what you want for them, I want you to reflect that that's what you need to be working on for you. Because if you do unpick your stuck narratives and beliefs, I expect a lot of it comes from how you were parented. Um, so do kind of look back on that. And it is the time to break these patterns. There was another really good comment as well about when I feel good. So obviously this human is doing incredibly well, embedding all of these self-loving habits into her day. But there's also that temptation when you start to feel quite good, you actually can stop uh, partaking in the behaviors that are making you feel so amazing. And if this is you, you need to remind yourself that these habits are like little seedlings. And that means that they need wrapping up in cotton wool. That means that they need attending to. It means that they need watering. Otherwise, you have to remember that habits are only habits as long as you are performing the behavior. And as soon as you stop performing the behavior, it stops being your identity. So you stop being the type of person who uh, goes out for a walk first thing in the morning before checking their phone. So as soon as you stop doing that and you start checking your phone and checking for your emails and just dropping that habit, you're no longer gonna identify as being that type of person and you're gonna stop repeating that behavior. So do think about how you need to protect these little seedlings. And one really good thing to do is to stay in a community of people who are all striving to embed this habit change. And I will be chatting to you guys if you've been on the six week reset about graduation. And it's a real kind of commitment. It is an investment in your future to stay in part of a community where the expected behaviors are that you do move 
enough every day, that you do plan in your training, that you do look for optimizing your nourishment every time you get an opportunity to eat and that you do insert training as a form of deep self-love into your week. Because it can be really easy to think, oh, okay, I've got this now. I'm feeling so much better. But it's really good to be reminded. It's really good to basically stay in kind of quite a fertile environment where you're going to continually get prompts. You're going to get continued motivation from others in the group. And I will be chatting to you guys on our live Zoom call um, about kind of graduation and options. Because it might be that you're ready to fly solo. It might be that you still need the support of me coming in and tweaking things and helping you kind of design this way of living for yourself, in which case I'm very, very happy to stay involved as long as you need me. And then there was just one last little question that came up, which probably doesn't really massively fit with the theme, but I do really like to chat about blood sugar. Um, and this lovely human was just sort of saying that she still doesn't really understand how to balance blood sugars. So I thought I'll end on this today and then you guys can go about your weekends. Um, and it's just this idea that ultimately, and I know there's an amazing woman on Instagram called the glucose goddess. So if you don't follow her, maybe give her a little follow as well. But the more we're learning about things like inflammation, the more we know that we should be trying to keep our blood sugars quite level. So if you think you haven't eaten anything, if you come down for breakfast in the morning and the first thing you do is have an orange juice and I don't know, some Cheerios or even some granola, you need to know what that's going to do to your blood sugars. So when we have foods that very easily give up their sugars, so thinking about fruits and vegetables, as soon as you do things like pulverize them or juice them, it breaks down the plant cell wall and it means that those sugars are much freer to move straight into your blood. Whereas if you think the difference between an apple juice and eating an apple, when you eat the apple, you've still got the plant wall intact because you've eaten the whole fruit. Whereas if you had juiced it, you the, the juicer's basically done a lot of the hard work for you. So those sugars are just much more ready to rush into your blood and give you energy. And this is fine if you are about to go out and do some like interval training. And there can be uh, a good time to spike your blood sugars when you want that instant energy. Or if you think about marathon runners um, who just need a shot of glucose, they're going to be looking at having simple sugars. But for most of us, we're getting up to basically sit down again and um, probably do some email checking or some phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. So what will happen if you shoot loads of glucose into your bloodstream in the morning is that they will spike and then they will crash and you will get that mid-morning slump. And we all know what that feels like. It's that kind of like reaching for something um, around 10, 30, 11, feeling really hungry. And now let's talk about the alternative to waking up and having that massive kind of spike of sugar into our bloodstream. And the best way to think about managing your blood sugars is if you know there's something existing in your breakfast or your lunch, or your dinner or your snack that is mostly quite a simple sugar. And this can even be things like fruit and vegetables, 
um, a donut, <laughs> a biscuit, is we're looking to pair these foods because we don't demonize any foods and all foods that you enjoy should exist in your diet in case you've forgotten. But just thinking, so I'm going to wake up and you know what, I just really fancy some white sourdough. So fantastic. We've got our simple sugar. The way we're going to try and bring down the um, the, the quickness, I'm not sure that's even a word, but we're going to bring down the big sugar spike that we'd have if we just ate the white sourdough on its own is by adding in some fat. So when we eat simple carbohydrates with a bit of fat, it's going to blunt your blood sugar response. The other way we can do it is by adding in some protein. So it might be that you have your slice of white sourdough and you put some peanut butter on it so you get some lovely healthy fats. And then you might have a bit of Greek yogurt with some berries. So you're gonna get your protein from the Greek yogurt. So it's really thinking about pairing foods and most of us don't eat food in isolation. So it might be that you have um, some slices of apple and you dip them in some nut butter. It might be that you have some carrot sticks and you dip them in some hummus, again, another really healthy source of fat. Um, so again, you might want to be mindful about how much of the fats you're eating, because again, you probably, if you have a sedentary job, if you do have a body composition goal, you don't want to start eating whole tubfuls of peanut butter and hummus because it's going to be uh, a little bit um, opposite to maybe your goal. So be mindful. You don't need huge volumes of these foods, but you just need enough to blunt that blood sugar response. So I'll probably chat a bit more about it on some nutrition webinars that are going to be coming up. Um, but for now, I just want you to think about that. What can I pair this food with? So if your main food that you're fancying eating is a biscuit, for example, crumbling it on top of some Greek yogurt, maybe adding in some seeds means you're going to have some fat from the seeds and you're going to have some protein from the Greek yogurt. And obviously the biscuit is going to be uh, supplying your simple carbohydrate. So don't demonize the food. But if you're wanting to snack, always think, how could I make this snack even more valuable to my body? So it's definitely thinking about the more. Guys, I'm going to let you go because I think at about 30 minutes, I get cut off. And here I was thinking this would be 10 minutes. If you are on the six-week reset, I am loving your energy so much. I have enjoyed this intake so, so, so much. And I would really, uh, yeah, I'll be asking for some feedback. I'm hoping you will stay in this community. And I really hope that we can grow your little seedling habits into big flourishing trees. All right, guys, take care. Bye.